Okay. Got it. Cool. Yeah. So that's it's just another safety measure. So people know I, I can't record people without them being very well aware. Sure. Yeah. 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 You know. So so it's one of those things. So um, well, welcome to the Fuck Therapy Podcast, Sophie. I am so excited to have you on the podcast to share some of your story, your experiences. So welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, it's awesome. Um, for those that don't know, Sophie Locke is on TikTok and I'll put her handle into the description. Um, and I came across her content. Um, and I believe one of the first things that I saw was you, I think you were on a live. I said this before. So I wasn't sure if it was a video or not. And you were just speaking very articulately. Um, and then I came across you on one of your lives um, and you know, some of the content you were talking about just resonated with me. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of depth to you. So much more than just a pretty face on the other side of the screen. Um, so we reached out and and you were gracious enough to, you know, meet with me. So I'm so grateful for that. Oh, I really appreciate it too. I was excited that you reached out and I like the message that you have on your TikTok and with this podcast. Yeah, no, thank you so much. So, um, so people get to understand a little bit about you, Sophie. Sophia, give us a little intro. Sure. Um, so the reason I guess I'm on TikTok, uh, which I resisted for a long time because I thought it was a children's app <laughs> and found out pretty, pretty soon that uh, that there were lots of different subjects on there. Um, I got onto it because I had just uh, gotten back into the adult industry, which I had started when I was 25. I'm 36 now. Yep. So I did. Uh, about seven years of webcam work. And the last two years or so of that uh, included professional video work with larger companies. Um, and then I left the industry for about four to five years or so, and then came back in August. Um, I heard from another girlfriend uh, that TikTok was a place to reach people outside of the Twitter bubble um, and to bring more people kind of in. And so I, uh, I was a little nervous because I wasn't sure what kind of content I wanted to put out there. Um, I didn't want to, I certainly didn't want to dance. That was a terrible idea for me. Um, <laughs> I don't um, dance either. <laughs> it would be a disaster. We're not going to do that. And I didn't really want to lip sync or, or do any of that. Um, but I did have some pretty crazy stories from my time in webcamming, a lot of different uh, very fascinating fetishes uh, that I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, things involving Q-tips and cheese and it just, it got weird. Um, so that was kind of fun to share. And then it evolved into behind the scenes of adult sets and actually discussing things like the ethics of the industry um, and basically maybe parts that people didn't know, challenging some stigmas about the industry as a whole. Um, and it's just been a really wonderful way to to reach a new audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, seeing you on TikTok, so we'll come back to that and we'll dig into that a little bit more because without doubt, it's fascinating. Um, and you know, I have a joke with a few of the women that I work with um, that are in the kink scene. And, and they call me this... Well, I mean, I shouldn't stigmatize it as being bad. Um, however, I see it that way when they say it to me. They tell me that I'm vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are, if that makes you feel any better. It doesn't. <laughs> I try and think that I'm really cool, right? <laughs> and uh, anyway, they have a bit of a laugh and joke um, about these sorts of things. So, so digging into that side will be awesome. But one of the things that got me and actually also interested my wife was your voice. 
You have an incredible singing voice. Thanks. Absolutely beautiful. So how long have you been singing for? So my entire life, I think elementary school, middle school, high school, college, I was actually a vocal performance major in college with jazz and opera. Um, So I remember being in the car when I was a little girl and I was singing Pocahontas, Colors of the Wind. And my parents turned around and said, oh, you're the singer. And so that became kind of a part of my identity growing up was this is what I do, right? Um, And so if anything, it was a little bit of a struggle because if it wasn't perfect or it didn't sound as good when performing as when I was at home, then, uh, then that was difficult for me. So, um, especially over the last maybe five years or so I have performed a lot more. I've pushed myself to do national anthems, to do, you know, jazz band things and, and be a part of groups where there's a lot more of a performance aspect. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just been something I've done my whole life. And I've been able to make some money at it. I'd like to make more if possible. But the idea is to reach people in an emotional way that I feel like I have when hearing certain female singers. So, yeah, it's cool to be able to mix that on TikTok now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, it definitely I was I think I think I said to you, I was sitting on the couch and one of your clips came on your singing. And my wife was like, wow, that's such a beautiful voice. Who is that? So sweet. Said who it was, you know, (laughs) and that's and that's all she knows is that you're a singer. Um, Oh, (laughs) it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, I look at it, um, and what her interest was was your voice, and that's what she heard, you know, and then she grabbed the phone. It's like, oh wow, what a beautiful woman, what a beautiful voice, how incredible, right? I didn't feel the need to say anything else. Like that's the moment. Um, And I think it's so powerful. It's actually leading me to another train of thought um, to ask you a question that will fascinate me more than anything else um, and hopefully give power to other people listening to this. Um, And that is um, identity. Mm. Right? So if I was to ask you a question to say, you know, if we were to remove your occupation, your hobby, right, your family, you know, your religions, your sporting, whatever it might be, and we're now just two people, you and I, right, mm-hmm. and we're eliminating me as well. But what we're looking at is then the question, if I asked you, who are you? Without mm-hmm. that, how would you go answering that? That's a heavy one. It's I've always- <laughs> I, I have, I've always struggled with a purpose beyond, um, for a long time, especially in my twenties, it was what feels good, right? What feels good while still being kind to other people, while still making sure there's consent, while still making sure I'm in my boundaries. Um, but, uh, yeah, for a long time, it was, it was what feels good to me. Yeah. Where do I feel helpful? I guess. Um, but so much of my identity, like I said, was wrapped up in, music because I was told by other people, Hey, this is actually your purpose. And I only recently have felt like I have the, the skills and, um, and the confidence to really pursue that. So I think it would be kind of, um, wrapped up in, in music, in 
kindness, <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, and, and honestly having the best stories I can when I'm old and I look back and I feel like I've lived a full life that was true to those boundaries and to, to that identity. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a question I ask everyone that I work with. Um, and, and it's a really powerful question to provoke thought. Um, mm -hmm. where you look at it and, and you know, the introduction of this question into this discussion, you know, was you were singing and, and, and that's what my wife, that's all my wife knows at this point in time. You see, if you were an accountant, I wouldn't go, yeah, she's an accountant too. Yeah. Right? Why would I do that? So why with your current occupation in, in adult entertainment, why would I say that to the singing? Right. Because the yeah. reality is I look at it and saying, you know, one of the things and the reasons that I reached out to you was because I saw so much depth in you. You know, sure. it was like, yeah, I could hear you were talking about content. Um, and then if I was to put my stereotypical brain on, I go, you don't sound like that person. So then you ask the question, well, what does that person sound like? Or have I completely and utterly got a totally wrong picture of what someone that does that as a profession is and who they are right yeah right and we will dig into that deeper but all day yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> I feel strongly about that yeah absolutely um you know and then you look at the singer and you go you know this is one of the things I say to so many particularly um women that have grappled with horrendous relationships or um you know domestic violence abuse parental abuse sexual abuse um but they're professional women. Mm -hmm. So they go, oh, at work, I can be this person, but I'm not that person anywhere else. And I'm mm -hmm. like, you're actually one person. You can just do many things. And the skill sets that you may apply at work, the rules that you apply at work, the boundaries you may set at work, you may not apply other places, mm -hmm. but you can. And that's usually a, a realisation moment. So when I ask the question, who am I, right, it's looking at it going, you're, you're more than a singer. You're more than an adult entertainer. You're more than a friend. You're more than a daughter. You know, you're more than a work colleague. You're more than all of these things. So you go, okay, so how do I answer the question? And I look at it and I go, well, fundamentally, my belief, right, my belief is that we are the sum of our character. Hmm. Because it's the character that resides at the center core of our consciousness and it's character that leads every behavior, thought, whatever it might be, mannerism, all comes from character. So if you are a person of integrity, mm -hmm. if you have a conversation with me, you're going to do it with integrity. And if you you know, so choose to work in the adult entertainment, you'll do it with integrity. And when you mm -hmm. sing, you'll do it with integrity. And when you have a relationship with your, your father or your mother or your sister or your best friend, you will do it with integrity. Mm -hmm. So to answer the true question of who am I, and we can do this at another, another time, you know, it's really looking at the character that resides at the center core of your consciousness, because then you can say, oh, wow, I'm actually a woman of authenticity. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a woman of truthfulness and trustworthiness. You know, I'm caring, compassionate, empathetic, but I am also brave, courageous, resilient. And you go, 
that becomes, you know, that that is who you are. And then you look at it at it at another angle and say, okay, well, okay, what determines character? How how, how do we actually get these characters? And it's mm-hmm. it's one of the things where I go, well, character isn't gifted. Can't gift a character trait. There is only one way to get it, and that's to earn it. Mm-hmm. So when we look back at your journey, so most people say, "Who am I?" They will tell me their journey, and you go, no, "That's your journey, right?" And your journey—if you've been pushed down, if you've been downtrodden, if you've been dismissed and criticized and belittled—character grows. Yeah. Right. If you've been tested, character grows. Right in every sense of the word, um, and that what that's what effectively really um, brings us to our identity, and then what you do with it, you can do anything. So I think with that being said, and we can dig into that a little bit. One of the things you picked up on, and you were going, "Give me some more space in this area," is that stigma around adult entertainment. Sure. You know, run us through things that you've experienced and how you feel and and your thoughts and concepts on that? Well, I kind of want to go back to what you were saying. If I can remember, that was a, that was a great. (laughs) Sorry, I go off on tangents. (laughs) That was was good though. And and it's, and it resonated with me, especially where, where like my, my priority in life is, is kindness, you know, and it, and it is, and and you're talking about integrity and being authentic. And so that's really important to me. I think I want to go back to the part where you were talking about how, when I say this person is a singer, or I'm I'm giving you this instance of, of something this person does, I'm not saying, oh, they're also an accountant. But the thing is, is that in this society, the way that people view adult entertainers or or whatever is typically in a negative fashion and it's very all encompassing. Yeah. It's if if this person does this, then that's all I can see them for. And that's why when I was out of the industry and I and I did real estate, I still do real estate. Um what I did was I did a like a pretty big pendulum swing <laughs> the other direction. Yeah. Um after after you know leading kind of with a sexual mindsets, being very open about that sort of thing, being an exhibitionist, feeling very comfortable in that space, going back into a professional environment. I was very buttoned up. I was quiet because I wasn't sure what was appropriate in the vanilla world. (laughs) You know, I think some people thought I was very religious. Um, Almost everyone that I know now that only knew me through that was pretty surprised to find out that I've done that for a living. And when you say that um well why would you even mention something like that it's because of this yes. it's because and that's the part that i would like to fight against yeah. is to make it so you kind of have to say also she does this because all of these other parts to me that society finds value in like my intelligence um the fact that i you know have a nice singing voice um the fact that i i can be articulate all of those things to a large part of society, the adult work cancels that out or it's surprising. So if I can shove that part alongside it, then maybe I can take some people, I will never be able to do this with my mother. And so I think that's why this is very important to me is that maybe out there, somewhere out there, there's a woman who thinks only, only women who do this sort of thing 
cannot be these other things that I respect. Yeah. And so if I have someone just a little bit shift and maybe be a little kinder to their child and not disown them like mine did, then if I can reach just one woman, then that makes all of it worth it to me. Because me as a person, I find no shame in what I do. I would never insist that anyone else does it. I would never force anyone to watch my work or to commodify their sexuality, like to sell it. Um, But for me personally, it makes me feel great. It's never made me feel bad because I've done within my integrity. I've only worked with people that I feel comfortable with. I've only done the things I want to do that I'm excited by. Um, And so it's, it's this weird thing where all the bunch of people think it's wrong and horrible and dirty, but I've never felt that way. So why? ashamed of it why why am I hiding it why am I protecting family who's embarrassed of me yeah and so I won't do more and so yes I am kind of forcing you to see both of those things yeah yeah and and it's a great space to be in to be challenged and to I think I think growth comes from you know well growth does come from being challenged um (laughs) having these sorts of discussions and digging into it deeper um what um what do you think or, or or what do you know to be the case without, you know, obviously going too personal, um, but what do you think that your mum grapples with the most? Um, the, the embarrassment to the family. Right. I went through all of the emails that I'd received over the years with my therapist, who I love, <laughs> and who got me, who helped me grieve the relationship. And she made a note that not once in any of them was there concern for me. There was never, are you okay? Are you on drugs? Is this, you know what I mean? It was all about our family does not do this. Yeah. She's a lawyer. And so she was like, I did not raise you this way. And the idea, and I I think it's kind of like an earlier wave of feminism of like sex work is inherently patriarchal or um, uh, you're a victim or, you know what I mean? Like it's, you can't see it respectable um, as opposed to empowering. There was no way to see that. So in her mind, that was her vision of adult work. Yeah. Also in her mind was this vision of this, of this woman she raised, that she raised well to have boundaries, to have confidence. And she couldn't put the two together because that would mean challenging her original beliefs on what the adult industry is. Yeah. And, uh, and she wouldn't talk to me about it. Uh, it was just, if you do this, then you must not be the person I raised. So you must be bad and this is very embarrassing for me and mortifying for me as as a mother yeah. and that just that bridge just couldn't be crossed unfortunately yeah yeah now you said earlier on in our preliminary discussion that you you've got a good relationship with your father i do yeah <laughs> yeah you know was there friction at the start um weirdly no um i did i i brought it up and and the thing is i was Ooh, I was boy crazy and kind of girl crazy growing up. And so I don't think, I don't think it was the most surprising thing in the world, you know, Right. (laughs) (laughs) I always had boyfriends. I I think I got in trouble in second grade for running around the playground, trying to kiss a boy. Um, You know, I mean, it's just, I've always been hypersexual. I've always just had a really strong, I don't know if it's high testosterone. I have no idea, but, but when I, I, I had done webcam work for about a year in a half to two years when I came out to my parents about it, my dad said, Oh, well, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I think his mom had been a part of like an owning of like a, a strip club or something. And so he was like, well, as long as you're not manipulating men or like, you're not in trouble, you're yeah. not in any sort of, um, like a desperate situation where you're doing it for other reasons or you need drugs or something like that. If this is yeah. truly your choice, that's, and it was truly my choice in a very like rational way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he did say that I ruined um, adult work for him forever. He can't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that's fair enough. <laughs> I was like, sorry, and I totally get it. That's fair. Um, and I, and I don't think that this is maybe the path he would have chosen for me. Yeah. Um, but he was, he was okay with it. And then when I left, I think he was a little bit happy. And then when I just got back in this last August, I had a discussion with him first. And Why? I said, dad, I, you know, I'm 36 years old. I'm not asking your permission. I'm just going to tell you in case you hear it from someone else. And he then proceeded to give me examples of people in mainstream acting or something like that who had done both. Yeah. And th- there was maybe a little less of a stigma for me going into it. And he said, maybe it'll help your singing stuff. And I just, my heart, yeah. you know, I, the fact that I, that I had his like blessing and respect, um, that he would be okay with that, with his daughter doing that, um, that just meant the world to me. And it's made me feel like I can do anything. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I think that message, I think that message is so powerful. And it's one of the things that I think that extends beyond a father daughter relationship. You know, I look mm-hmm. at it and I try and encourage um, people to, to truly know their worth. Um, and, you know, when you are being your authentic self, mm-hmm. right, and, and you're in a relationship, whether it's with your father, whether it's with your best friend, whether it's with an intimate partner, you know, that same level of respect should be given. And that's what you should, um, you know, you shouldn't tolerate anything less than that. You know, mm-hmm. I say when people say I love you, I think it's something that comes with um, when you give it. Like I hold people account to that that say it. Mm-hmm. So I actually dissect it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and may, maybe I overthink a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> I can't imagine. No. <laughs> but it's one of those things where I go, when someone says, I love you, right, mm-hmm. it's not a throwaway line. Now, if it is, well, then they shouldn't have thrown it out there. But if, if they do say it, well, I'll hold them account to it, right? So it's I, in other words, you, right? You're going, okay, we get that part, right? Love, okay, for me, we all probably have a different definition of love, but in some way it's probably similar. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely without judgment. Um, there's no question about that. And then it's the key word, you. Mm-hmm. I, like I can see hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm me. So if you say I love you, well, then I don't have to change. Mm-hmm. I can be my authentic. That doesn't mean I don't have to grow. Right. Sure. Yeah. Massive difference. But what it's saying is, I love you as you are, and I don't want to change a hair on your head. I accept you completely for the person that you are. Otherwise, they're not saying I love you. What they're saying is, I just want you to know I love an avatar of you. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm the designer of the avatar. And all I'm asking (laughs) you to do is wear that suit. (laughs) What I want you to be to make me feel the best. Correct. 
you know, so you look at it and you go, you know, if we started looking at the relationship with your mother and she created an avatar of her daughter, right? And when her daughter didn't fit the avatar, she's going, where am I going to put this? Right. Right. And how else would I have known that that love was conditional? And from my primary emotional attachment, that it was crushing. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, but I mean, now I know that there was something I could do, like an action I could perform that was still in line with my authentic self that would, that would have that relationship break, Yeah, which is, which is really powerful to know. And, and you're right. It doesn't feel like a true loving relationship. Yeah. It's one of those things where you, know, you talk about unconditional love um, mm-hmm. and, and you look at it. It's one of those things where I go, there is no such thing as unconditional love and there's everything to do with unconditional love, but it's your definition of love. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, if, if I'm going to love you, um, you know, I've done, I do an exercise. I didn't exercise this year of, um, how am I going to create significant shift in 2022, right? Shift, biggest shift in my life than I've ever had any year preceding it. So I'm not into New Year's resolutions, right? Um, but I am into growth. I want to grow, you know, I want to come out of this discussion with you, you know, a more complete person, someone that's grown through the dis- everything. I want to grow constantly. But I want to start of the year, right, significant shift in my life. Not because I'm unhappy. I was completely happy. But I want to put the bar high. I don't want to live under this low line. I I want it high. So I go, how do I create significant shift? And I went, well, the first thing I need to understand is like, you know, we sort of go, what do we want? And we go, oh, I want want a relationship or I want a car. I want to buy a house or I want that career. So I started going, why? Mm -hmm. And then to every answer I asked why, until I could no longer have a why, and every single why led me to an emotion mm-hmm. because I wanted to feel a particular way, Yeah. right? So then the obvious question that I needed to then ask myself is, okay, in order to make decisions in my life, to manage my boundaries, to guide my relationships, my financial decisions, my business decisions, all the decisions in my life, well, I'm going to have to understand how do I want to feel? Because yeah. if I don't know how I want to feel, how am I going to actually do the do to make myself feel that way? Right. And then I went, that's an interesting question. How do I want to feel? You know, so, so many people go, I want to feel happy. And I'm like, that's just so one-dimensional. Yeah. Right. So I started looking at it and I started breaking it down going, how do I want my mind to feel? How do I want my body to feel? How do Mm -hmm. I want my spirit and soul to feel? And how do I want my purpose to feel? So I then broke that down and understood where, okay, now this is deep, right? But at least now I can start governing the decisions that I make. So if Mm -hmm. I choose to get into the adult entertainment industry, is it going to make me feel the way that I want to feel? Uh, If I was to submit my will to my mother because she didn't approve of what I'm doing, how would that make me feel? Yeah. And you go, well, that would conflict with that. Mm -hmm. How can I end up with the goal that I'm doing if my behaviours don't line up to it? Yeah. And then I extended it to how 
do I want others to feel? Right? And I go, well, I put my intimate partner, so my wife, my kids, mm-hmm. and I actually put family and friends in the same category. Yeah. And then other. So for my wife, I was looking at it going, okay, how do I want to make, you know, it's not my responsibility how my wife feels, but how do I want to behave to make her feel the way that I want her to feel, right? Um, And I looked at it and I went, um, I've actually got it written down. I said, I want her to feel loved, right? So what does that mean to me? For me, that means she needs to feel safe, supported, (laughs) accomplished, valued, free, evolved, and aligned to purpose. So when I say safe in every single manner of the word, say blah, 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 right? I then wrote on the board, I wanted to feel desirable, right? Because she's my intimate partner. Yeah. And then I went, that's wrong of me. That's that's a judgment from me. And that come, no, I want her to feel desirable. Mm-hmm. I want her to feel desirable in every walk of life. I want her to feel desirable when she goes out with the girls. I want her to feel desirable when she goes to work. I want her to feel desirable, you know, obviously sexually with me. You know, I want her to feel, but I want her to feel desirable in every way. So in all ways, I want to, I want to say, do and act things to help her feel desirable. But ultimately, I want her to feel free. Yeah. I want her to feel free to be the woman that she wants to be. Uh, I want yeah. her to feel free to speak her truth. I want her to feel free to explore anything that she wants to explore, to grow into whatever she wants to grow into. I want her to feel free not to come home. Yeah. I don't want her to come home because she has a ring on her finger. I want her to come home because she feels loved and she actually wants to be there. Because she's choosing it, absolutely. Correct. So that was, I know it was a very long tangent, which I go off on. (laughs) You're getting (laughs) to understand this. But it's one of those things where I look at it and I go, I think you look at that relationship with your mum and you go, ultimately, you need to feel free. You need to be the woman that you need to be. You need to express yourself to this world the way you need to express yourself. And you do that in in. A whole lot of different ways. Just if we just cap off on three, you're going, yes, you know, I'm in the adult inter- entertainment in, um, industry and I express myself that way and I share part of me there. But then I mm-hmm. also communicate with the world and articulate with the world and serve, you know, in a very professional manner. And I also communicate through music, through song. Yeah. You know, you're going, how do you grab that person? And go, no, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're not, you're not getting it. I've got a, I've got an avatar for you. You've got a plan. You're going to be a lawyer. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I love the fact that regardless of what you chose to do, you chose to be authentic and true to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I eventually, I was the one who made it no contact anymore. Yeah. I, I, because I have an authentic relationship anymore and it was too hurtful to get one or two texts a year you know that her feel like she was still maybe being a good parent but it wasn't an authentic relationship and I and I mean I love 
what you're saying about, especially intimate partnerships where, because I left the industry mostly because the partner that I was with was uncomfortable with it and I could feel it and there wasn't very good communication there. So it was never told to me, but I could feel it. And because of the way that I was raised to make sure everyone is comfortable around me, (laughs) you know, and that I wanted that love so badly from this partner and that commitment from this partner that I never fully got, even after five years. Well, maybe if I change this about myself, maybe if I change that about myself. And even at the end of it, when I thought the relationship was pretty good, I was still not my authentic self. And so even though it didn't end in a way that was very pleasant for me, I am in a better place now and actually have found a partner. It's funny, you're saying all those things. um, And it really resonated with me about um, having a partner who just wants the best for me. And it's like gasses you up and is excited and, and, um, and wants me to succeed in all of the ways that feel good to me, including the adult industry. And so finding that and finding that person that you feel safe enough with to be absolutely vulnerable, yes. that's true intimacy. Yeah. And it's a true partnership, I think. So that's I think that's beautiful. That you- yeah. And and I think, I, I don't think, I believe that we should accept nothing less. So many people are in relationships where they are sacrificing their self you know, for the other person that will never be the person that they want them to be or accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. And they will lose years of their lives doing it. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And they're doing it just to feel loved or accepted or safe. Yes. But you can have that with yourself just by yourself. Yeah. Right. You can have that. And then once you have it, then you'll accept nothing less from a partner. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. I encourage people constantly. One of one of the things, you know, we've all got sayings. Uh, one of mine is to speak your truth with peaceful confidence, right? I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's at all times, speak your truth with peaceful confidence. So when you look at that, what I'm saying at every point in turn, like people are like, I don't want to be that nagging person. It's like, well, you don't have to be the nagging person so long as yeah. you manage your boundaries. <laughs> right. You can absolutely be kind and caring and empathetic and you can say, and you're going to be over here. Correct. Absolutely. But it's it, it's if you're uncomfortable, you look at your previous relationship, you know, yeah. and, and you're going, there was a level of uncomfort without the communication. You know, had he have come forward in his truth much earlier in the piece, different things could have been done. Right, sure. you know, and, and it's one of those things. I you look at it on the flip side because I also say never submit your will to another person. Mm-hmm. Never submit your will. So there's a significant difference between selfishness and not submitting your will. Right, not submitting your will isn't compromise on certain things, but it's when we were speaking about boundaries. It's we never mm-hmm. compromise on those unilateral boundaries. In other words, anything that that threatens or sacrifices your own being, your self-trust, your self-respect, your value, you know, mm-hmm. your self-worth, your self-love, your beliefs, you, all of those things, your purpose, you go, these are you can't compromise on that. Right. Because once you do, once you submit your will, even in the smallest form, the natural reaction within is your intuition speaks up and your intuition is not happy. Most people mm-hmm. go, I feel anxious. It's like, no, that's your intuition kicking your ass going, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to give you every signal. This is not right. Yeah. Right. 
and, and you're going, and a little bit of self-trust goes, which is the absolute foundation of self-worth. Because once that self-trust goes, because you've submitted your will to that person, the reality is they also lose a little bit of trust. Right? Yeah. Because then you're chasing. Yep. And you lose a bit of respect. When you don't trust something, you lose that little bit of respect. So do they. So the gap actually gets bigger. Mm -hmm. But regardless of them, you then lose a bit of value. In addition to the little bit of value you lose in that one interaction, you also, a little piece of you goes. A little Mm -hmm. bit of identity just gets covered. It's still there, but it gets hidden. It feels like it's missing, right? And this is where your self-worth and self-love go. And then when that's repeated, even at the most smallest levels, we break down to the point where you finally get to go, I can't do this any longer. I don't even know who I am anymore. I've got no self-worth. Where am I? I'm lost. Yeah. You know, so setting boundaries, speaking your truth, knowing your worth, representing yourself at all levels, being your authentic self. You want to live a life of fulfillment, regardless of what it is you want to do, you need to live that life authentically. And I think you're an amazing example of this. Um, I appreciate You know, and, and I think, you know, particularly in the industry you're in, um, you know, to do that with such conviction um, and to be able to maintain that that level of, no, I'm actually good with it. I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And to all those that don't like that, that's something that sits with you and not with me. Absolutely. Right. And I think that's a really powerful place to be. And we can all learn from that and we can all grow from that and all improve from that. Um, yeah. Now, you said you had some pretty hilarious, weird, wonderful stories. <laughs> Can you share one of those funny stories with us? Sure, I, I definitely have put a, a few on my TikTok, um, the ones that uh, they won't take down. Um, <laughs> you're actually very good at communicating. Like You're very, I'm not sure what I can <laughs> say or can't say here on TikTok. <laughs> I tried really hard. I've had a few videos taken down. Um, so, cause I'd like to stay on there. I do. I do like the community of it and, and yeah. then I can get a, a message out. Um, but I just, what was really fun for me of uh, the years, especially with webcam work is that you get, you get this environment where people are really comfortable, especially if they're coming into my room. Um, and I liken it to like going to a bar and the bartender is like, kind of hot and then all but everyone around kind of like chats with each other and they tip the bartender yep. that's what it kind of into uh, right. over the years i've never like, been into a web room right i don't even know what it's like yeah and it depends on the site and it depends there's some where just everyone seems like an idiot and it's very confusing and there are others that l- i was lucky enough to have a community of people um who uh like we kind of grew together and so i would watch you know people who said um Hey, you know, I, I maybe I might be into this thing where, um, uh, anthropomorphism, I think is what it is. Like where it's like, Oh, like someone's like kind of a human, but also kind of an animal and that's Uh. hot, you know? And so, and so then saying that and being in an environment where the person that you're talking to isn't judging you, um, and, and says, well, like, well, that's kind of interesting. As long as it's consensual, you're not hurting anyone. There are no kids or, um, uh, animals involved, like actual, like then, yeah you know, do, do whatever you want to do. Um, and then I, I would watch people go from like, I'm kind of maybe into this 
to openly talking about it to maybe years later being like, I went to a meetup of people like this, or I found a partner that was into this, or I was able to share this with a partner. And when I came back into the industry, I had people say, you know, I was kind of, I was ashamed of the fact that maybe I was into BDSM or like, maybe I, I wanted to dress in women's clothing or, you know, or I had these certain fetishes and, um, and I felt really safe talking about it and maybe exploring that within, you know, this kind of group setting yeah. that I had in a room. So that was really wonderful. One of the, one of my favorite stories is the, the Q-tip one that I, that I yeah, you, you did reference that. And it didn't, it didn't happen to me. It actually was one of my best friends. Um, but she had a guy who came into her room to do a private one-on-one chat. That's a paid per minute situation. And people are very open where, when they're in that situation, because there's nobody else around you're paying this person. They're incentivized to not judge you. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, great. I love Q-tips. And so he wanted her to just Q-tip her ears head, you know, just the head in the screen, no nudity. And so she did that great was paid per minute. He came back. She he asked her to do it again, but this time maybe put it in a little deeper and act like it hurt. And so she faked it because that's dangerous. But was just like, uh, oh no, ow. Um, <laughs> so he liked that. He came back again and paid her five hundred dollars to create a, a custom video. And custom videos are pretty typical in the industry of like, hey, I want you to say my name, or I want you to do this act, or turn this way and wear this outfit, you know. And then they, they'll pay a premium because it's a personalized video. But his video, what he wanted was um, uh, she got uh, fake kidnapped by her partner at the time and tied to a chair and then Q-tipped aggressively. She got fake blood to do it and she was yelling and just, she was, she said it was the most fun she's ever had, the best money she <laughs> And the reason she got into the industry because this guy had a safe, you know, consensual way to, yeah. to experience his fetish who knows where it came from maybe he was like going through puberty and was like this feels really good and you know something clicked <laughs> who knows? yeah 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 um, yeah, yeah a q-tip fetish. yeah well i i almost thought i had a um opening last year to get into the adult entertainment industry because it was put to me um by someone to start an only fans oh fun yeah and i'm like who wants a guy my age seriously on only fans Right. It might be so, if you have great feet, man. <laughs> that's what they asked for. <laughs> Nailed it. Nails. I'm like, <laughs> I work in the gym every day. I work out twice a day. I eat clean. I try and keep myself in really good shape. And then someone gave my ego a little stroke going, you know, we want to see you on OnlyFans. And I'm kind of like, the old boy still got it. I said to my wife like this, right? What does he want? And I'm like, I don't know. Then the next message came through, wanted pictures of my feet. (sighs) Crushing. And crushing. I've gone, really? (laughs) And it was like feet. Well, Funny, funny you should say, because I thought it was a joke. I thought they were just taking the piss, going, in other words, you're too old and ugly. We're not interested. We're just, and people are like, no, no, you probably could have made some money. And I was like, what? I would have taken yeah. pictures of my feet. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everything you can think of can be, can be fetishized. It's, it's fascinating. I, I think it's endlessly fascinating. Uh, so one you. of my, you know, Within the industry that I work in, you know, and that, and that's the mental health industry, I've got to be very careful as a rule as to how far I go in a conversation. Um, 
but I can't help it. Like people start telling me stories and I'm fascinated, mm-hmm. you know. So when it comes to different things like that, you know, I've really got to draw a line on most situations as to how half the time I'm left going, I, I just want to know more. Like you've thrown a little bomb out there, but it's not <laughs> even, it's not a pro, if it's appropriate, I, I dig into it because typically I, I might want to understand the psychology behind it or those sorts of things. But if it's not, I then go, no, it's, it's wrong of me to dig any further and I keep going. But it doesn't mean I'm not left going, I wonder what that story was. Like, seriously? You've kind of left me on a cliffhanger here. <laughs> I remember asking one, one guy who said he wanted me to wear pantyhose. And I said, I said, do you, do you happen to know why that interests you? And he said, actually, it's funny. I can pinpoint exactly when. It, it clicked in for me. And he, when he was younger, he was a young boy and he uh, like threw like a, you know, the crack in the door, saw his mom putting on a pair of pantyhose and there was something about it, something about the age where he was, yep. where that became a thing. And, and I've looked back to see if I can find where the BDSM thing came for me. Yep. And I don't have, I think there's a stigma or, or um, a stereotype that if you're into, especially like, um, uh, masochism where you like to be hurt or you like any of that kind of stuff then it came from some sort of trauma yep. and I don't have any of that I mean I, I you know I've been so fortunate to not have anything like in my upbringing um that triggered it I just remember watching you know like Disney movies where the girl got caught and like tied up by the evil man and I was like I don't understand it but I sure want to be her. (laughs) I don't know. So that's, I mean, some of my earliest memories before it was even technically a sexual thing was, was the desire to be in that sort of situation when it came to a power dynamic, Um, you know, be able to, to play that out in my life in a very safe professional way where, you know, it's being filmed and people watch it like that's So for me, um, yeah. yeah, but it is. Well, I did catch on, on one of your lives, you said, and you were ambiguous as you are because, because of TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> um, you said something about, um, you did say something about BDSM. And then you said something about sometimes you have to, I, I don't know if there was a question of you got to endure something or what's the, and, and, and mm. you made mention of sometimes in suspension work, sometimes you go, that can be uncomfortable and you've just got to endure it. For, for the scene and sort of just hang in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, sometimes when you can't sexualize it or it, or it ramps up in a way that's like more um, just purely pain as opposed to like a sexualized pain or an adrenaline rush kind of pain, yeah. um, which that's the most fun version, but you can also shift it in your head as a challenge. And it's something where I did two waterboarding scenes <laughs> and, um, and during that, it was like, how long can I take this? And yeah. it becomes this almost like, you know, you do a fitness challenge. Yeah. Pushing yourself and you think, I can only go this far. My body can only do this much. And then you go a little bit further. And then you end up being proud of yourself. At the, you know, there's something about it where yeah. you've endured. And that's a fun challenge for me too, to say, you know, I've done this. How many people have, there was another shoot um, where I got like hit with a two by four, <laughs> like on the butt, not in the face. Yeah. But where they were like, oh, no one's ever done this before. And I said, well, now I have to, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, under the understanding that like, you know, everything was ramped up to that point, of course. And I had a safe word to get out and they had me ask for it each time to make yeah. sure that I was genuinely consenting. And I left that being like, hell yeah. Like, look what I can take, you yeah. know? And I, 
same way about fitness and about, about those kind of things and about pushing with singing and pushing boundaries of my own to, to get stronger, even mentally. Yeah. And how do you separate um, your professional work to your intimate private life, sex life? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so to me, when it's, when it's professional work or if it's casual, so um, I, I've been mostly in kind of long-term semi-monogamous relationships. That's kind of, I like having my person. I like, you know, I, it's never poly. I want it to be like us. And then maybe we do something with like, you know, women or something on the side, but it, it's, it's always casual outside of that. And so with casual, um, uh, casual intimacy or casual sex, for me, it's like a, like a roller coaster, right? It's, it's like, okay, we're both consenting to this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Let's make sure we're safe about it. And then we're high-fiving at the end. And that felt, you know, that felt great. And so in my professional life, it's this perfect situation where everyone's tested. You know, you have, you have somebody kind of looking out for you, um, the director, female or male. Um, and then everyone has the same expectations. Yes. We're not getting a relationship here. We are not catching feelings. For me, that's easy. Um, for other people, it's not. They shouldn't be in the adult industry if, it, yeah. if you know, it's easy to catch feelings from sexuality. Yeah. Um, and so you leave that. And I've always felt really good about that. And so in my intimate partnership and in my personal relationship, we have actually written down boundaries around like to be absolutely clear of the only romantic um, interaction we have and, and relationship we have was with each other. Yes. That's one, one of our boundaries. Um, and then when it comes to sex and sexuality, of course, there's some of like the same actions naturally that you would have with someone else. Um, but there is a, a connection and an intimacy there and an understanding that sex is just one part of a relationship. Yeah. You know, it's like you were saying earlier that in your professional life, they're getting this part of you. But my partner is getting the part of me where I'm waking up looking disgusting in the morning or like, you know, <laughs> yeah. or I'm I'm kind of gross or I'm, yeah. or my trauma is acting up and then this person has to deal with that or, you know, so it's, it's just, it's a small part. It's an important part. The sexuality is, but it's also a completely separate feeling at the core of it than the work that I do. Yeah, for sure. I often talk about, um, and I, as I say, I've, I've been married for 22 years with my wife, 25 years. So the memory of those sort of encounters before that mm -hmm. very faded, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sure. but, you know, we talk about, you know, how do you keep, you know, I get asked, how do you keep your sex life, you know, with your wife? Um, Cause we're mm -hmm. still very active, very attracted to each other. Um, and they're like, how do you keep that for such a long time with one person? Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think there's a whole lot of things like one of the things that, you know, I learned probably around year 14-ish. And the only reason I say year 14, it may not have been 14, is there tends to be like seven-year cycles um, <laughs> in some of these things. Um, but I know in, in that second, you know, say two-thirds of the way through the relationship, um, it's one where the focus just has to be back on that person and back mm. on the relationship and loving them for them. Um, okay. and I think for me, you know, the fact that my focus is on my wife, my love is for my wife. I, I see my wife to this day as the sexiest woman, you know, that walks this planet, um, yeah. you know, and she knows that to her core. 
Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that's what keeps. And then it's about having open communication. You know, mm-hmm. so it's the type of thing if I'm wanting to explore something or if I feel something or a, you know, where we're both respecting each other, but we're both focusing on each other and wanting, you know, that part of so that connection is what mm-hmm. makes our intimacy so good. Yeah. Right? Um, like, yes, you can have times where it's just hot and messy and fun, right? And, and, and it's hot and messy and fun. But it's still, it's still you know, um, it's still that intimacy that you can have that separates the difference where I, I look at other encounters prior to my relationship and go, they may have been physical encounters. Yes, they may have been fun and exciting, but they don't compare to what I have with her now. It's it's not possible for it to. It's it's have that kind of when you have that level of trust and vulnerability that and this kind of works within BDSM as well, is that like then you can really push yourself to do more exciting things, to to maybe mess up a little bit, to maybe, you know, maybe say something that like, uh, I don't know if this is gonna be hot or not, it might be goofy, but we end up laughing, (laughs) you know. 100%. Don't be yeah. scared to don't be scared to fail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you because you feel safe and because you know this person is your person and they're not going anywhere. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And that's I mean, and I've told my my partner now who also does adult work part time, which makes it a little bit easier, you know, to kind of navigate all of this. Yeah. Um, I told him though, you know, if 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 we didn't do adult work, I would want to be monogamous. I don't have a desire. I, I might find someone else attractive. I think that, I think that's completely human and natural, but I don't feel, I don't feel the desire to be with other people. Like that doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just absolutely. And I guess, um, but for me, a large part of why I love the industry and why I love specifically professional video work is, is all of it. It's the lights. It's being around people who aren't weird about sexuality, who are very relaxed about it. Um, the adrenaline rush of there being a camera there, like the fact that it's going to be put all everywhere, (laughs) you know, it's because I've, I've been single enough times. I've been with enough people casually where most of the time it's, eh, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's just, it's it's not, it's not ever what it is with your partner. It just isn't. No. So it's, I would never feel like I was missing out on anything. I had been with one man for five years in my last relationship and I was with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the BDSM world, is there a point where um, where enough is enough? You mean within a scene? Not so much within a scene, but it's the type of thing where you go, I, I watch the evolution of it. You know, you go, oh, I got a spank on the ass. That's nice. Oh, I got a little bit choked and a spank on that. That's not, oh, I got, you know, then a little bit more, then a little bit more, then, a, and, and, and that constant need for pushing further mm-hmm. you know to the point where i go one of my naive concerns if you like from because you know <laughs> as, as as you know tiny as we play in that space um compared to what is out there um i look at it and go at what point do do you get to the stage where it's 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 i don't know pain or and i i mean bad pain not good pain you know so yeah. for argument's sake you know getting spanked on the ass is one thing getting hit on on, on the ass a lump of 4b2 is another thing you know mm-hmm. 
you know, getting Rio in noodle smashed against you is another thing, right? Where you're going, yeah. is there a point where you're going, oh, I keep like I'm scaring myself how far I'm pushing the boundary of this? <laughs> there, the eventuality is is that you get stabbed. That's that's basically where at least I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's you said you with that with such conviction. <laughs> oh, I can go completely straight faced. Um, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> so, so you do absolutely have a point with that, and especially if you tend toward things that are considered edge play, like choking, yeah. like knife play, like blood play, any of those kind of things, where you know you're getting a thrill. It's like jumping out of a plane, right? I've done a, a bunch of skydiving, but yeah. like then you go to base jumping. At some point, you're probably going to get hurt. Yeah. You know, so there, there is something where, um, you know, I think, I think I've kind of found my, my limit with things. I, I do feel like, um, because you can ramp up in such a way, even with smaller things, like let's say like face slapping, right. There, a lot of people are not into that fairly. I in particular am, but there's like only so hard I can get hit and be like, okay, that's, thank you. <laughs> you yeah. know, we're good on that today. I appreciate it. You know, and you can say yellow to, to back it down, you know, within yeah. a scene or, or red to be done. Um, but it doesn't, I've never felt like, okay, that's just, that's enough slapping. I, I need something more. I need you to punch me or I need you to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, so I think there are certain things with pain that you can bring up to a certain threshold that no matter what, I don't think you're ever going to push past. Yeah. Um, for me personally, because I like, doing stuff that people haven't done or being able to say this crazy story later, as long as I'm in a safe environment, yeah. there's a cattle one. I won't do a cattle prod again. I think I'm good on that one. Um. <laughs> Listen, I, we, I've done the cattle prod thing and and not sexually. It's just literally growing up around horses and cattle, cows and rodeoing. We got each other um, and it hurts. Yeah. The, the guy who did it to me in the scene, I said, well, it's only fair. You did it on my butt that I should be able to do it on your balls. And he let me. What? And they're, still, they're still telling the story to this day. I heard it. <laughs> oh no. Oh he no. Was, the closest I've been. come to that is my mate pissed on the electric fence. No. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. He went flying backwards. Funniest thing. Drunk, tripped over the fire. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> so we started with, there was a whole host of things that we're dealing with. Pants off. He thought he'd blown his junk apart. Fair. Um, he yeah. hadn't, but he was, I can't remember now. I mean, you're talking 30 years ago, but um, he was in pain for weeks. Oh my God, that sounds so awful. That was so funny. It was I, so funny. I, that would have but, gone viral. Then, if, that, if there was, a oh thing. <laughs> my gosh, the things that we got up to back in the day, there's no doubt half the shit we did would have gone viral. <laughs> I'm so happy that I'm at the age that when I was in high school, no one had cameras. To, Absolutely. Like, it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. People talk about this stuff, and it was like, you know, I, I talk about dating, you know, and people like Jamie, it's a different world. I go, I understand it's a different world, but the concept of dating doesn't change. Like, to me, to date is to get to know. And people yeah. eliminate that stage. Right? And I'm like, this is some of the problems that just, you know, you turn relationship, you turn these things into relationships, but you never got to know each other. Right. And then you've got this empathetic, caring person that when gets in a relationship, 
has a model in their mind of what relationship looks like, and typically that involves um, that that um, involves commitment and loyalty. Mm-hmm. So once they dedicate those two things to a relationship that's not working, they will then, being an empath, start sacrificing themselves to make it work. Oh, one hundred percent. I've been there. Absolutely. And I'm like, that's a cycle that you do not want to go in. No. Um, But, yeah, I think cattle prods, um, you know, I've heard some pretty far out stories that you're probably going, yeah, that's a five. Uh, yeah, I don't expect anyone. It's it's funny because being when I was single and trying to date, like there's just no, I mean, people would say, well, yeah, I'm dominant. And I would just be like, I'm sure you are in whatever capacity. <laughs> like, well, I've been just, told if I was a dom, yeah. I'd be a gentleman dom. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> no, no, no. I, mean, I genuinely mean that's nice because there are a lot of people who say, like, oh, I'm I'm so dominant. And then they're they're predators or they're assholes about it. And yeah. it's not about being. I'm dominant. So you shall, you will be submissive. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I enjoy this power dynamic and also you have an equal part of this power dynamic. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah I do think it's a really nice thing. I wasn't at all. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I was speaking to a um, brat sub mm. and we have, we've got a great relationship talking about a whole heap of things. And she always winds me up in a little brat way. Um, she can't help herself. Um, and that's mm-hmm. why she's like, she laughs about the vanilla side of things. Tell me that she's like, yeah, you no doubt. Like I, I look at things and go, you know, I could explore this, 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 and this, no problem at all. Have fun with it, you know, with that mm-hmm. right level of consent. But I could never be in a situation where I felt that I was physically hurting them, mm-hmm. right, relative to what, we're doing um but more so emotionally hurting them or degrading them in any way shape or form so if they wanted to be degraded i would re like if my wife was like listen this is something i need you to do i would you know it's not that i wouldn't try i would grapple with that inside um you know i don't know in the heat of the moment because i think in the heat of the moment everything's different um but but that's one of the things i go i I spend my life empowering women and it would be, it's, I don't do it because for any other reason that that is my purpose. That's I'm, I'm on this earth to do that. Um, So, so then anything to, if I felt there was a level of empowerment, if I felt there was certain things I could push to that level, but as soon as I felt something else, you Mm -hmm. know, I would bloody safe word out. (laughs) Fair and not knowing 100% 100% that that the consent is there on the other side and that they wouldn't judge you for it or see you as a different person. And that's the thing where, you know, the fantasy versus reality thing, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Um, like some of the like objectification or degradation or things that I'm into in any other context in a, in a non-consensual context are horrific yes. to me. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's what this all is about is consent. Like every single, that's what separates the criminal from the fun person in bed. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Well, I think one of the misconceptions about the BDSM community um, is that, and, and I spoke about this on my previous podcast um, because both girls were in that, in that community. But I said, you know, one of the things we discussed was there is abuse has nothing to do with the BDSM industry. Right. Abuse is abuse. 
the BDSM industry is the highest form of consent there is. There's so much more con- communication than in even typical relationships, even typical vanilla relationships that aren't abusive. Like the the level of communication about boundaries and about your sexuality, about your desires, about being vulnerable. And yeah. actually there's such a, a close intimacy when they're done correctly. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and it's the consent difference, right? You can have the same action. You can have someone maybe hit someone in the face. Right. And yeah. if that is non-consensual, it's abuse and it's horrible. And the way that it feels and impacts, no pun intended, the person <laughs> that's receiving yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yep. Um, it's a completely different mindset. It's a completely different connection. And yeah. so I think that, Kind of hard for people sometimes to see from the outside. It's like, well, of course it's domestic violence or it's abuse because it's the same action. Um, yeah. And it's all about, and that's where the consent part comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think without doubt, the message that needs to be heard here, um, and you're the, you know, you're almost the perfect example of this saying, I don't come from a background of trauma. I come back from a background of a, you know, a loving, supporting family. Uh, I'm educated. Um, I've got career option. In fact, I've got two other careers in addition to this. It's not something that I'm forced into or that I think this is my only skill set. It's not a lack of self-worth. It's not a lack of managing boundaries because you're at the highest form of management of boundaries in, in the career um, that you do, um, you lead with it. You have self worth. You have integrity. Um, you know who you are. You are authentic, and I think you're the prime example of you know a person just following her dreams, living her life, living in the present moment, loving it, embracing it, um, and being true. And I think that is so rare. And if we had more of this, of people being authentic mm-hmm. in this world, this world would be a better place without question. So without doubt, um, I think that's a perfect place to wrap this up. I would love to summarise, though, because there's a couple of clear messages that we do want to extract from, you know, this incredible discussion. And I have no doubt we could do a part two, part three, part four of this. Um, oh, I'm <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think we'll definitely do that. But I think that there's a clear message that that needs to come out of this. Um, and I'd love you to articulate that message from your authentic point of view and from your heart um, to, to anyone that's listening out there. Um, the message, basically what you just said, which was also very flattering, so I appreciate that. <laughs> but I do, feel, I do feel like I'm the happiest I've ever been. And it's because of holding those boundaries and being authentic. And that's, that's within my relationships with my family. That's with um, the confidence I have from pushing myself with my hobbies, like singing and by being unapologetically into what I'm into and I'm not harming anyone. And I'm just, and I feel empowered by it. So whatever someone feels empowered by and they're not harming anybody else. If you can embrace that, I think I think that's the goal, right? Yeah, absolutely. And what would your message be to those that are, are listening to this going, wow, you've opened a door to another view upon the adult entertainment industry? Um, I just want to thank your listeners for being open-minded, <laughs> you know, and thinking that there, there might be just a different, a different way to perceive 
this kind of work, you know, and I, and I said it in my, my most important little TikTok video is my first pinned one about whether adult work is ethical or not, whether you personally would do this or not. Um, what I ask is that if you are scrolling through or you're looking at adult stuff or you you see someone like me is to just take a second and step back and observe if you have a negative emotional response to it to maybe ask where that's coming from yeah um and wherever that takes you is fine but just taking a step away from that and thinking maybe this is coming from somewhere else somewhere in my upbringing um uh because i would like to be able to do what i want with my body and not be attacked for it um that would be really nice um just people having a little bit more of an open mind and just uh, thinking maybe that there's, there might be a little more to what you're seeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, to extend on that outside of the industry, um, you know, there's so many people that have sexual desires and sexual fantasies and those sorts of things. And that's okay. In fact, it's good. It's exciting and if you could take a leaf out of the BDSM book to explore that, you know, it starts with good, clear communication, mm-hmm. trusting environments, mm-hmm. and leading with consent. 100%. I couldn't have said it any better. So I think that's, that's a massive takeaway. The other thing is people are so much more than the, the profession they choose to do. You know, you have so much depth, and I've said this multiple times, um, but I said that's what drew me to you straight away. It's like, wow, here's someone, you know, you, you know, if you look at it, you go, you're, you're, you're clearly educated, right? Clearly educated. You, you know what's what. Um, you've got a sound business head on you. You're, 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 in, you're in the property market, in real estate and so forth. You follow your dreams. You have a voice that is just, stunning, beautiful, um, you know, and I, and I think you're an incredible person. So I'm so grateful that you've given us this time, that you've shared your story, that you've expressed things, been open and honest with us. And I think that is really, really powerful. So to anyone out there, I hope you've enjoyed this. There is going to be more. Um, and to everyone out there, remember, you can achieve anything that you want in this life. Whether you believe you can or you can't, you are always right and understand, follow your dreams and be authentic to yourself. Why? Because you are worth it. You're awesome. Stay strong.